This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discussion is advised. episode 119. Thank you so much for listening to us. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that we do not hear or know much about. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are straight cis white dudes. No! Oh no. (laughs) There are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because... Because what? (laughs) Well, I am going to tell you if you didn't already know, now you do know, the news is very racist. (laughs) Allegedly. We are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. I'm Beth. We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294 and we may feature it on a future episode. Also, our website is fruitloopspod.com and we use Fruit Loops Pod for all our social media. The footnotes for each episode can be found on our website, plus check it out for the different ways you can support the show and become a patron. Yeah. Now, are we talking about today, Beth? Today we're talking about Philip Andari Anyancha, a confessed serial killer and rapist in Kenya. He's confessed to killing eight sex workers in the town of Thika in 2010, and he also confessed to murdering other women and some children throughout Kenya. Before we get into it, how you doing? I'm doing good. I had my very first post-quarantine outing this past Saturday. <laughs> Ooh, tell me all about it. Were you wearing a mask? We went to a restaurant and we had brunch. So when we went in, we had to wear masks. But as we sat at the table, we took the masks off. And I went with a couple of friends. Uh huh. And we've all been vaccinated. So uh, we're all good. And awesome. We actually hugged. Oh my God. (laughs) What was that like? It was wonderful. (laughs) 
has it been a while? I know you you visited your daughter, but yeah, has it, it's, that's one thing. Yeah. That was the first thing I noticed people missing. Yes. So how hugs. was it? It was it was great. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> That's so fantastic. How are you doing? I am great. We uh had a pretty glorious weekend. We uh built an above ground pool. Oh wow. Uh you know, we just bought it on Amazon. Um and it is it's not quite hot enough in Arizona. My threshold for getting into any body of water it's got to be 110 degrees. I'm sorry. Anything less than that, I won't do it. I will I will not. It is not worth being cold for 30 seconds or however. I just won't do it. I refuse. Um, but the kids are really into it. I bet. And, uh, yeah. And we uh we also went um we went hiking up South Mountain. Nice. <laughs> and um, my kids call it Booty Mountain because it looks like a butt crack. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> I, you know, it was like, ooh, it's so nice how spring is in the air. And I fucked up my foot. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I had to go to urgent care. I was in a wheelchair. Oh, and they took x-rays and everything. Um, but <laughs> it's fine. It wasn't fractured. It's just it's really slowed me down yeah, uh, for the past 24, 48 hours. So anyway, I, <laughs> I'm just limping around. Uh, but other than that, I'm good. <laughs> Had to put a pause on working on my TikTok dances. No biggie. I'll be all right. You'll be back. You'll be back. I'll be back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so now we are going to get into some listener letters. Whoa. Hello, angels. Thank you. Oh, what's up, angels? What's in that bag, Beth? <laughs> well, I wanted to say thank you to Emilizers, Beth from the UK, and Iguana Lynn for your reviews. Ooh. They gave us <laughs> reviews, and they were all really awesome, and we really appreciate it, and it helps us a lot. So thank it does. you. Thank yeah. you all so much. I don't know. I don't <laughs> Oh my God, I don't know what to do. I'm really sorry. Jeez. I am so sorry. I just you want like, to do. You like hip hop arrows? I'll give you some hip hop arrows. Oh my oh God. God. That was very oh, unnecessary and excessive. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, thank you, Emilizers, Emily, Beth from the UK, Iguana and Iguana Lynn. Those were for yeah. you. I hope, I hope you aren't pissed at me. So last episode, Space Ghost came up and uh, apparently it is a show. So thanks to our fruity, hey, hello, be okay on Twitter. It was a show that they loved while growing up. They believe it was named after a joke on Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. And Space Ghost interviewed famous people. It was an animated talk show. Space Ghost was the host, but the guests were live action. And the show ran from 1994 to 2008. So we see you. Hey, hello, be okay. And thank you for keeping us in the know. Yes, thank you, boo. 
right. (laughs) Okay, so now it's time to thank our patrons and Patreon supporters, Kelly N., Molly C., Jade M., Miss M., and Monica B. Here are your tunes. All right. Kelly N., you're the reason why. I'm full of joy since it came into my life. <laughs> Kelly, baby, we partying around. <laughs> Want you to see how much you mean to me. You're the girl who makes me feel good. <laughs> Kelly N. Uh, uh, this next one. The Molly dance is your chance to do the hump. Uh, uh, Trooker, baby. Do the Molly C. Uh. Do the Molly C. Do me, baby. Do the Molly C. Watch me do the Molly C. Uh, then this next one. Jade in the sky. Sometimes I don't want to hear those metal clouds. Uh, that's all I got because I don't want to fuck up Solange. You know what I'm saying? Beyonce would kill me. Jade M, that was for you. Uh, this next one's for Miss M. I said, Miss M. Shock me like an electric eel. (laughs) Baby girl took me out with an electric feel. I said, Miss M. (laughs) Shock me like an electric eel. Uh, And this last one from Monica B. Done with Monica. I don't love Monica. I dust off Monica. We murder for fun. Don't take it personal. Personally. <laughs> and that's uh, my SZA impression. I like that one. Um, and I hope you enjoyed your tunes. And here's your motherfucking air horns. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for supporting our show. thank you. So we are going to take a quick break, and we're going to get into the story when we come back. (laughs) Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine. From history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts. And on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things, from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do, so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. Sounds like you need Gore Friends, our podcast about horror movies. 
podcasts are why <laughs> you uh, wrote it search girl girlfriends that's not the show <laughs> like horror movies but have no one to talk to about it or maybe you're just not a big fan of gore and wish a friend would tell you about a movie so that you don't have to watch it sounds like you need gore friends our podcast about horror movies Horror podcasts are desperately missing comedy, industry-savvy women of color, and friendship. But that's where we come in. Search Gore Friends on social media, Patreon, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll be there. As a true Gore Friend should. I'm happy with that. I'm ha- If you're happy with it. I think we got something in there. Yeah. I think we got something. And we are back. Remind us, Ben, who is our subject today? Today we're talking about Philip Andari Anyancha, a man who confessed to killing approximately 18 people, mostly women, but also some children in Kenya. He has claimed that spirits made him do it. This is part one of a two-part story, so be sure to tune in next week for part two. Hell yeah. So now we're going to get into some stats. All right, let me tell you, let me tell you about Philippon Yacha, uh, <laughs> a- a.k.a. Kenya's most infamous serial killer. Philip was born in 1978, and there were 17 to 19 victims, depending on the source. Now, let's speak their names. Rest in power, kings, queens, and non-binary royalty. Amen. Uh, Metan Baraza was nine years old. Anthony Nirjwa Miuri, nine, um, but some sources said uh, Anthony was 14. Jacqueline Chepnagetich Misoy, age unknown. Mercy Chepkirui, 22. Catherine Chelang At, 32. Helen Nyambura, 25. Jacqueline Wambui, 25. Plus, there are several other victims whose identities we just are unknown and unknown to us, unknown to Fruit Loop. So yeah. if you got any intelligence on them, please get at us and let yeah. us know. Um, so now we're going to get into the setting. Take us there, Beth. Okay, so uh, this is a very brief history because there's a lot more to it that we could not get into. But uh, here we go. All right. Kenya, officially the Republic of Kenya, is a country in eastern Africa. Nairobi is the capital. The earliest inhabitants of Kenya were hunter-gatherers, but from about 2000 BC, Cushitic-speaking herders came to the region. Around 800 AD, Arabs sailed to Kenya, and the Kenyan coast was then frequented by Arab traders who established Arab and Persian colonies there. The Nilotic and Bantu people also moved into the region. The Swahili language then developed as a language for different peoples to communicate and trade. It evolved from a mixture of Bantu and Arabic. Which I thought was really cool. I did I not was, know that. Yeah. My fascinating alarm is going off in my head because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After the Portuguese arrived in 1498, they dominated the coast of Kenya for two centuries and brought new crops to Kenya, maize and cassava. The mm. Portuguese gave way in turn to Islamic control under the Imam of Oman in the 1600s until the UK came along during the 19th century. All I have to say is fuck you, colonizers. (laughs) In 1885, the European powers divided up
up Africa between themselves. Who? Why? Mm-hmm. Who gives you this right? Uh, <laughs> at the Berlin conference. Now, I I did not believe this to be real, except I saw it in a documentary. Yep. This was fucking real. It How was. dare yep. you guys? And Britain was allocated to the area, which is now Kenya. The British government then opened the fertile highlands to white settlers. White settlers flocked to Kenya, taking the bestest land, and the natives were forced onto reservations. Mm, mm, mm. Huh. Seems like I've heard this story I, before. This sounds very <laughs> really familiar. familiar yeah. Hey, um, Britain, can I talk to you for a second? Um, you know, I don't know if you're trying to be original or not. Um, but uh, we've seen this before. This it's repeat. not cool. Yeah, and uh, you know, if you wouldn't mind just leaving the these people out. the fuck alone. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Everybody was so upset about <laughs> Prince Philip being like, oh, no, he's dead. He's 100 years old. He's dead. He's a colonizer. Oh, no, boo-hoo. And I was just thinking, are you aware of these people's history? Like, <laughs> are we supposed to be that sad? All right, I'm done. <laughs> In the years 1895 to 1901, the British built a railway across the region. During this period, thousands of Indian people were brought into Kenya to work on building the Kenya-Uganda railway line. These people also settled there, bringing their families with them. Even before Kenya was officially declared a British colony in 1920, the white settlers, I'm saying it in a very gross way because this is a very gross thing. Uh, The white settlers were allowed a voice in government, while the Africans and the Asians were banned from direct political participation until 1944. Y'all, people who were born in 44 are still alive. Uh, And naturally, the Africans resented the way that they were being treated. In 1942, the Mau Mau movement began when members of the Kikuyu, Embu, Maru, and Kamba tribes took an oath of unity and secrecy to fight for freedom from British rule. Due to the Mau Mau rebellion against British colonial rule, Kenya was put under a state of emergency from October 1952 to December 1959, and thousands of Kenyans were incarcerated in detention camps. But Kenya finally gained independence on December 12th, 1963. Okay. I'm finally, um, and that's good, but Jesus, that was a long time coming. Uh, There is a large diversity of indigenous worldviews in Kenya. Indigenous beliefs vary by ethnic group, and each has its own origin stories, set of practices, and superstitions. Although traditional beliefs and practices vary, they share many general characteristics. Almost all involve belief in a god of some sort, and a belief that the human realm and the spirit realm intersect. People can communicate to gods through mediums such as ancestors, deities, or local spirits. Some may also call upon those who are believed to intercede with the spiritual realm, such as shamans, soothsayers, or witch doctors. I think that's really interesting that the the spiritual respect or edification of ancestors. Right. And I don't know if that is, I don't believe it's a Judeo-Christian uh, no. uh thing and I don't know of many white people who do that but at least in my and and I I think across the diaspora of black and brown people that that is an element um 
of uh, spirituality. Um, that yeah. we, this idea that the ancestors got your back. Um, right. So if people please the spirit, success is assured. If they incur the spirit's anger, illness, or evil may occur. Beliefs in sorcery and witchcraft play important roles in many indigenous belief systems and often persist after conversion to Christianity or Islam, even when other elements of traditional religions have faded. Christian missionary activity began in Kenya's interior at the end of the 19th century. The missionary and colonial expedition to Africa was predicated on the presumption that the African race was primitive, uncultured, and without religion as defined in the Western world. And fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> it's really, it's really um, uh, sad because... Um, I think I'm thinking of a quote, like something like the lion never gets to tell his side of the story or the lion right. never gets to write history. Only the hunter does. Yeah. Um, and that's what has happened with colonization is the white people will have uh, black and brown people, including fuck ass Rick Santorum, uh, <laughs> believe that there's no history until white people arrive. Right. Right, Everything right. before that was it didn't, trash. didn't matter. It was it, it didn't, didn't matter. Yeah, there was nothing there. Yeah. And <laughs> we know that that is not true. Am I right, Fruit Loose fam? Okay. <laughs> so it was therefore the divine duty of the missionaries to educate and civilize the African with the tacit support of the colonial administration. <laughs> it's just funny. They had a whole office for fuckery. And instill in this the- is the office of fuckery. <laughs> <laughs> How may I help you? Excuse uh, me. Can you direct me to the office of fuckery? Um, well, the office is closed uh, for lunch hours. For fuckery? However, yes, for it's lunch closed. fuckery. But if you will leave a message, we will call you back. Okay? Uh, so to support the support of the colonial administration and instill in their subjects a Western Christian way of life, the missionaries insisted that Christianity must be accompanied by cultural transference, forcing the African people to give up their traditions, replacing them with Christian values and attitudes. That all makes me want to throw up. Yeah. What's next? <laughs> Today, Christianity is the main religion in Kenya. As of 2019, over 85% of the population identify as Christians. But historically, Kenyans commonly incorporated their local and indigenous beliefs and practices into Christianity. I think that is beautiful. Yeah. That they were able to hold on to some of their things. Uh, it kind of their... reminds me of like Mexico. They mm-hmm. did kind of a similar thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with um, Catholicism and Christianity right. and how um, there, you know, there's uh, like Dia de los Muertos, I don't right. think is a uh, something is that um, I don't think the Vatican gets down with that. No, nope, but I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I don't know much about Catholicism, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure uh, I didn't see, you know, the Vatican in Coco. But, right. uh, you know, I, I it, you're right. It is it is a remarkable thing about uh, and uh, the strength of people's cultures and beliefs to endure in spite of um, something, somebody coming to try to um, eradicate it. Right, uh, right. By any means necessary. Um, so just like everywhere else, there is crime in Kenya. The most uh, c- common crime in Kenya is carjacking. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, there's also theft, uh, banditry, ethnic violence, corruption. There's terrorism. Uh, I think Al-Shabaab, which 
sounded familiar to me, I believe, because they've been in the news um, for like kidnappings um, and terrorist um, uh, activities. Uh, yeah. And uh, drug abuse and trafficking uh, with uh, narcotics. And there's also a drug which an article I, I found called it ref- referencing the drug as a problem. It's called Bang, B-H-A-N-G. Mm-hmm. And it's just edible cannabis. <laughs> And I'm like, what's the problem? Anyway, come on, it's it's, it's legal Hello? here now. It's from the earth. It makes people happy. I I don't know, but you know, uh, I'm not a Kenyan, so I don't know. Uh, but uh, and also, poaching is a problem, uh, and crime, I believe, is a symptom of inequality and lack of resources. And there is significant income inequality in Kenya, and uh, the level of poverty uh, does, however, vary from region to region. So I've got some fun facts about Kenya. Hell yeah. (laughs) When people think of Africa, uh, sometimes they think about a safari. And Kenya is the world leading safari destination. Ooh, love it. Another fun fact, Kenya's Uh Kalenjin tribe has been Uh dubbed the running tribe for their unbelievable ability to spawn world record-breaking runners. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they win all the marathons. Speaking of running, Kenya is the home to the fastest land animal, the cheetah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, the cheetah was my favorite animal when I was a kid. And it makes total sense because they're fucking amazing. Yeah. (laughs) How did they do that? (laughs) Yeah, and they're also beautiful cats. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. There are 68 languages spoken in Kenya, and the official language is Swahili. All right. Now, that is also cool. I'm going to have to step in here and say, okay. though, my <laughs> favorite Kenya fact is that Prince Harry loves it there. And that's where he fell in love with Africa. So he decided, I'm going to take my girlfriend, Meghan Markle, there for her 36th birthday before they got married, which What a move. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, back to the story. (laughs) From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, 
offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. Now we are going to get into Onyancha's early life. Hit it, Beth. Philip Ondara Onyancha was born in Western Kenya in 1978 to Samuel and Esther Onyancha. Philip's family owned a tea farm near Karacho, just outside of a rural village. He had several siblings, but his mother once said that she had the most hope for him because he was so bright. We don't know much about Philip's early life except for what he himself has said. Philip claims that when he was a child, he was molested by his nanny. Uh, He says that this traumatized him and caused him psychological harm. He said that afterwards he began to believe that he could, quote, get anything that he wanted if he used force, unquote. And I'm not really sure, um, but I think what he means by that is that as a victim of abuse as a child, He later regained his power by becoming an abuser. Yeah, or learning that you can um, get people to do things if you hurt them. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah. right. He attended Changoi Primary School, where he got good grades. When applying for high schools in the region, uh, his primary school headmaster wrote in his admission forms that he was a well-behaved boy whose ability is above average. Philip was admitted to the Kenyatta Mahiga High School in Nyeri. It was started in the community in 1963 to offer education to students of parents segregated and denied education by the colonists. Philip went through forms one through four there. And uh, forms are different from grades. Um, he was in high school, so I think it might be the equivalent of freshman to senior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. I, I um, you know, I don't have any uh, experience in Kenya or education other than in the United States. But um, my understanding is it's not free either to go to right. school. This you have was to pay a for it. private school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think all school passed. Maybe it's from the beginning, like from kindergarten on up or standard standard, whatever um, the, the first level is for the youngest. I don't believe it is socialized free education. I oh, believe wow. everybody has to pay. Wow. Um, so the high school was almost 200 miles away from his family home. During his first year away, Philip did well. He showed enthusiasm in his academics and participated in extracurricular activities, engaging in sports and other athletics. One of his teachers later commented, he was an eloquent, bright young student who spoke with a lot of authority and excelled in his studies. However, during his second year, he started getting into trouble when he began to bully other students. He was also accused of sexual abuse by a younger boy. Philip was suspended for two weeks over it, but the accusation could not be proven. When he returned to school, teachers noticed a difference in his behavior. Where he had once been an attentive student, teachers now had to force him to pay attention in class, and he seemed to be struggling to apply himself. 
He also stopped participating in extracurricular activities. According to Philip, during this time, he became close to a female teacher. He would sneak away from class to go to the female teacher's house where, quote, we would drink and do everything, unquote. And I don't know exactly what everything is, but I'm assuming uh, it included sex. Yeah, that's where my dirty head went. Yeah. Um, but I, he, he didn't really spell it out for us. Now, no, he did didn't. He? Uh, so he said, she introduced me to the underworld. Uh, in no time, I was trapped. I started performing poorly in class and other teachers noticed. Something was pulling me to the teacher's quarters every night. Someone was speaking to me. A voice was calling my name and I did its bidding. Philip also became obsessed with pornography. But he's a teenager. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's look. kind of yeah. normal. <laughs> Newsflash on, on Yancha, you're very regular. <laughs> Over the next couple of years, his behavioral issues became more apparent. He became moody and quick to anger. During this time, there was gossip at the school about some kind of devil worship going on there. So, according to Philip, some teachers were practicing devil worship at school. Former students and school officials would re remark on this years later, but at the time, these rumors were never tied to Philip. To put this into context, on October 20th, 1994, President Daniel Arap Moy established the Devil Worship Commission, a oh. Kenya government commission. <laughs> on, on devil worship? On devil worship, yeah. Oh. This commission was tasked to look into the matter of devil worship in Kenya. Now, I think I mentioned this before. I, I don't know how it manifests in Kenya, but uh, there are certainly Satan worshipers in the West, in the United States. And I listened to them on a podcast um, and I didn't get the sense I can't I could not tell you what it's about. Like I'm looking up looking it up right now on Wikipedia. Um it is not as um I guess terrible sounding as you might think. Like I was right. listening to some people who um believe in Satanism uh being interviewed and I was like that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like they're not out here drinking blood or, <laughs> you know, killing people. The people who belong to the satanic church. Yeah. 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 They don't really even believe in the devil, to be honest. Isn't it? Uh, what? Uh, God, I wish I, I, I should. <laughs> don't fact check me. But anyway, all I'm getting at is it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Right. Uh, right. But we will learn. Philip takes this to a whole nother level. <laughs> anyway, um, the report written by a Catholic archbishop and leading members of Christian churches concluded that devil worship was so widespread in Kenya that it represented the single greatest threat to Kenyan society. Now, this is the Catholic church saying that. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if you're familiar with their greatest hits, but uh, I'm just going to say a report written by them accusing other people of doing not good things. My spidey sense is up. It's tingling. It's tingling. Yeah. According to the report, Satanism was so common that a special police force must be set up to tackle the problem. It cool. said that many schools and colleges had been infiltrated with devil worshipers, and it called the Mormons and the Freemasons gateways to devil worship. Wow. They are really doing the most with this report. Wow. 
<laughs> the Mormons too? The oh, Mormons no. too, yeah. Oh no, not the Mormons, not the Freemasons too. Oh no. Well, the the commission pre- presented its report to the president towards the end of 1995. President Moy said it would not be made public because it contained sensitive information. <laughs> or stupid information. Uh, yeah, or again... It was, it's really, really stupid. I Let's can't, put it away. <laughs> somebody, somebody committed these ideas to paper <laughs> to present to other individuals, which is crazy. Uh, so uh, it was released to the Kenyan parliament in 1999. To parliament in 1999 (laughs) however and a lot of kenyans bought into it the reaction was similar to the satanic panic in the u.s that occurred in the 80s hello (laughs) what did they expect part of me thinks that the i wonder if the church if they like in the back if they scare people on purpose Yes. Then then they can control them. Then people cling to the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can control I them. agree. Yeah. Philip sat for his Kenyan certificate of secondary education, the Kenyan equivalent of the high school diploma in 1998. He graduated with a mediocre GPA and then entered into the workforce instead of going on to university. He lived in a village near his family's farm in western Kenya, but moved back to Nyeri, where his former high school was, after he was accused of attempting to rape a neighbor. But according to Philip, he moved to Nyeri because he was hearing voices that told him to move there. The voices were also encouraging him to kill, Son of Sam style. Uh-oh. This can't be good. <laughs> no. <laughs> didn't Son of Sam, didn't he say it was a dog? It was a dog, it? yeah. De- a devil dog? Yeah, um, something like that. Anyway, I am the devil dog made me do it. Made me do it. So now we're going to get into the timeline. What do you got, Beth? Over the next decade or so, Anyancha was employed by G4S, a global security firm working as a security guard. He was often moved around working as a guard at various companies as well as private residences. I just picture Paul Blart on one of those <laughs> those scooters segways. with the Segway with the helmet. <laughs> Security! <laughs> uh, <laughs> so in the mid-2000s, he married a young woman named Lydia Niaboke, and they moved to Nairobi, where they lived in a small one-bedroom house, which they shared with a brother-in-law, a sister-in-law, and a niece or nephew. The Anyanchas had a son in 2008. Anyancha began staying out unusually late at night and hanging out with unknown acquaintances. Eventually, in June of 2009, Lydia confronted him about his behavior. She was afraid he was cheating on her, but he denied it, insisting that nothing was wrong. Ooh, neighbors and acquaintances described Onyancha as odd with a volcanic temper. He would say and do weird things like turning off the main power breaker to the entire neighborhood and then threatening to hire someone to kill people if they complained. <laughs> wow. That is what a, a move. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the neighbors oh. just stopped complaining about his behavior because they were afraid he would do something to them. During this time, a small tumor had begun growing on the back of Anyancha's head. Eventually, it grew to the size of a small orange. Uh, now, this made me think, okay, this is the first case where we've had a tumor on somebody's head. <laughs> the tumor made me do it. But there's this law and order that I can never get out of my head. Law and order as for you. This teacher just all of a sudden develops this, this 
intense sexual appetite to sleep with her male students. No. Oh. And eventually gets pregnant. And, uh, and you know, there's a trial and they discover that she has a tumor on her brain that's increasing her sex drive and making her out of control. Once the tumor's gone, she's totally normal. But she's already committed the crime. Right. So yeah. anyway, that this case made me think of that. Yeah, and, actually, that that has happened. And, you know... Rip from the headlines, from baby. the headlines, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was uh, children. Yeah, I think it was children. Really? Yeah, yeah I think Whoop. it was. Yeah. Whoop. Um, yeah, I didn't check the actual headline. Look, I like I said, don't fact check me. I just remember <laughs> that from um, my best for you. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, on May 30th, 2008, Jacqueline Chebnegatich Misoy was murdered at Mount Kenya Building along Combo Minyiri Road in Nairobi. Unfortunately, we don't know much about Jacqueline. On November 2nd, 2008, Catherine Chalangat, a 32-year-old mother of one, disappeared. She had just finished college at the Kabate Technical Institute in Nairobi. Catherine lived in a suburb of Nairobi called Karen. <laughs> oh. So it's spelled Karen, but it's it's pronounced Karen. And I, I, I suggest that all the Karens out there who are not actually Karens, start calling yourself Karen. Fuck yeah. I like right like black like put your fist up in there everybody yeah. for the Karens. Karens. <laughs> I love that. Karen gang. Yeah. Uh wow. Yeah, all the Karen allies here. So, uh Catherine lived in Karen where she had several family members living nearby. And Wesley Rotich was the last relative to see Catherine alive as she left his home in the early evening. It was on Sunday she left my house around 9 p.m., saying she was going to spend the night at her brother's house. But she never arrived at the brother's house. Friends and family searched in vain for Catherine. Three months later, the family received a call from someone who told them that Catherine had been abducted and they demanded 30,000 shillings for her return. The family didn't have that kind of money, so they pleaded for time to get the money together. The abductor then allowed the family to pay a smaller amount, 15,000 shillings. The ransom was paid through M-Pesa, a money transfer program. But Catherine was not returned to the family. The family reported the incident to Karen police. But Catherine was already dead. Mm. Anyancha had killed her the night she disappeared, months beforehand. Anyancha was working as a security guard at the local water utility office building, just down the block from her family, less than 50 meters away from the home where Catherine had last been seen. That is so fucked up. Yeah. Um, so he killed her and then asked for ransom. Mm, yep. Mm, mm, Three mm. months later. Mm. Uh, you going to hell, Onyancha. Uh, <laughs> so Onyancha later claimed to have encountered Catherine as she was walking along the road and he approached her and held out an open hand. She was just walking along the road. I just shook her hand and she followed me. He would later tell police that he had a, quote, magic touch. Oh, no. <laughs> And he was able to lure women to private locations where he would murder them before drinking some of their blood. Whoa! Their blood, he said, fueled these supernatural powers of his, which then inspired him to kill again. All right. This guy is a salad or casserole, if you will, of um, 
serial killer traits. And <laughs> one we haven't mentioned yet, I'm just going to throw it out, narcissism. <laughs> uh, I believe he's got a little bit of narcissism in that he's serial killer casserole. touch of narcissism. Yes. <laughs> a little sprinkle yeah, next to the paprika, narcissism. <laughs> so Onyancha said that he belonged to a cult, which he had been forced into against his will, and that the people he killed were sacrifices as part of a cult ritual. So... Y'all, that's where we will leave it for today. There is a lot more to the story, so tune in next week for part two. Um, don't be mad at us. <laughs> <laughs> Three AM, the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, glitches in the Matrix, cult leaders, missing 411, night marchers, Operation Paperclip, Mesopotamian devil worship, and so many monsters it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money. Pop and meme culture also aren't off topic. A camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3AM, the comedy horror podcast, not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go. Uh, so now we are going to get into how not to get murdered. So if you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. <laughs> This segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips. So I wanted to shout out Let's Be Safe board game and it was suggested by it's a odd flex on IG. <laughs> and even though the game came out in the 80s, was discontinued. And if you find a copy, it will run you 70 to $80. It's a great starting place for bringing up conversations about safety. And you don't cool. even really need the game, right? It's, <laughs> anybody can have conversations with children and those close to you that you love about safety, right? What? Yeah. Let's say, let's say, um, you know, uh, a zombie uh, attacks. What do we do, right? We, if you talk about it, it's not so foreign if it actually happens. Um, True, yeah. So also, uh, I listened to a podcast. We've shouted out before, No Girls on the Internet. But this one was what to do if you become a victim of an online hate campaign or smear campaign when you really didn't do anything wrong. Um, yeah. So they gave a few uh, very helpful tips to handle yourself, handle your business on the internet. Uh, first, uh, you can go to a website called deleteme.com and it's a service that will scrub your, your identity, your existence from the internet. There's more, there's other services that'll do it. Um, but this is the one that this uh, particular woman who was a victim of this crime, of this crime, uh, shouted out and it is kind of expensive though so she also gave a promo code i didn't get i didn't catch it um but uh but it's on uh no girls on the internet yes and, and what was the name of the episode do you remember oh uh, give me a minute um 
The episode is called So You're the Target of an Online Hate Campaign. Now what? And okay. uh, the there's a, if you just go to There Are No Girls on the Internet and find that episode, there's additional information on how to nice uh, save yourself on the on the internet they also gave out some really uh some just some quick ones um remove pictures of your kids off the internet like yesterday <laughs> regularly <laughs> delete your old tweets um because people go if you get any notoriety people will go back and like try to find reasons to cancel you, you or hate you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And we're all learning all the time, right? Keep your training wheels close, everybody. Nobody's perfect. Uh, anyway, um, also turn off your geolocations when you post. And that's all I got. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. All right. Shout out time. Now we're going to get into the, uh, the portion of our show where we shout out any true crime goodies or any content by any marginalized or othered folks. Uh, I wanted to shout out, so excited. I'm only consuming things that make me laugh and are affirming these days. Uh, Black Lady Sketch Show is back with new episodes. But don't you fret if you don't have HBO. (laughs) Season one is on Hulu. Plus, there's like a gazillion clips all over the gram and on IGTV and on Tic Tac. Uh, Tic Tac. Tic Tac. -tac. (laughs) Wow. I just showed my age. Uh, so it's on the it's on the tic tac it's on right? the tic tac is that that tic tac <laughs> bullshit you know how that's, that's, there's a lot of boomers who do not like tic tac and really people, why, why would they not like tic tac i think because their children are like catching them on the camera and posting it oh, and they're not okay. happy <laughs> and those reaction videos are those are the warm hugs on the internet that i live for uh so it is brilliant uh black lady sketch show it is absurdist comedic sketches and laughter is the best medicine uh and we all need it and this show will provide it what do you got nice Beth? Um, I wanted to shout out Murder Mountain on Netflix. Have huh? you watched that yet? I haven't yet? even seen this in my feed. Netflix, shame okay. on you. <laughs> what is this? So it's a series. I I'm, I don't remember for sure, but I think there's like four episodes. Okay. And it explores uh, Humboldt County's cannabis farms. Oh, okay. Both the legal and the illegal and like how it started, like the history and uh, the crimes. Uh, it's called Murder Mountain. So, oh, you know, there it murders. is. <laughs> Color and me I, subscribed. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know anything about this at all. Really? So I found it really interesting. Um, I guess it was a place where uh, there was a lot of cannabis farms, illegal cannabis farms. Oh. And uh, that's, it was actually known for that mm-hmm. oh and, yeah i remember yeah <laughs> I, I i was humbled state was one of my um university choices and oh, uh, so, yeah. part of the reason why i was so excited about it was because of the, the cannabis, cannabis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um but uh and also oranges remember that when orange is the new black that lady who had the mousy voice she played patty mayonnaise and she ended up shooting a kid because uh she thought it was a deer uh, who was um, messing around in her Humboldt, uh, Northern California pot farm? I do not remember. Oh yeah, yeah. Now I remember. Yes. Yeah. Yes, anyway, yeah. So. She was the older lady, wasn't uh-huh. she? She. Yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff, so I'm not. I'm not real hip. <laughs> <laughs> so is it a documentary kind of movie stuff? 
or a docu-series? Yeah, it's a documentary series. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so it, it also shows how the uh, farms changed uh, once, once cannabis became legal oh, in California. Okay. And uh, there's <laughs> some of it was kind of annoying because okay. there was a lot of whining going on oh. with the farmers. Oh, really? Because... Yeah, because they didn't want to pay taxes. <laughs> ah, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, so. jo- join the club. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, yeah, you guys have been <laughs> not paying taxes for a really long time. Come on! <laughs> and like one of the one of the families, they lived in this beautiful house and and i'm like fuck you oh and they were complaining (laughs) complaining about having to pay taxes okay you could miss me with those complaints i had very little sympathy (laughs) for that wow okay (laughs) but yeah it was a really it was really interesting so there you go okay and then i also wanted to say that a while back you shouted out the tv show warrior yes i did go on i started watching it and it's pretty awesome (gasps) Yes. Am I right? Yeah. There's a whole wild west that I did not yes. know about. And this, right. um, it, it, I believe it to be accurate. Um, but I don't know how accurate as far as, yeah, I'm sitting here Googling while I'm watching the show. Cause yeah. I, I want to know what's, what's true and what's not. Yeah. So it's about, uh, San Francisco mm-hmm. in the late, uh, 19th century mm-hmm. and, the Tongs, um, the Chinese gangs uh-huh. in San Francisco, and and that part is is real. Yeah, they, they did have Tongs. So and, uh, okay, yeah. So um, I don't know if they were the the same Tongs that's in Warrior. Probably not, mm-hmm. but um, they did exist, and they did. There were gang fights and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, and it's it, really interesting. Oh man, I'm so glad you you found it and 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 liked it. And I I think shows like this are really important for not some somebody accused of of, of revisionist history. That person can eat a bag of dicks, but. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, um, well, come on. There's a lot of fighting and some of the, the fighting is fantastical, you know, but you know, it's a TV show. It is a TV show, but, um, BIPOC people are now getting the opportunity to not change the narrative, but tell their side of the story. And, um, you know, uh, there's plenty of white people telling, uh, fantastical stories, fantastical (laughs) stories. Uh, So, you know. It's and it's it's a, what I'm getting at is it's a window into a history that you might have never come across if you right. weren't bored during coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I'm so glad you found it. Yeah, and hopefully people are doing what I'm doing, which is like googling stuff Absolutely. when it, whenever I come across. Oh, I never heard of that before. You mm-hmm. know, I Google mm-hmm. it and I'm mm-hmm. like, wow. Yeah. That's that's interesting, you know? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, Well, so that is shout out Black Lady Sketch Show season one and two on Hulu and HBO, Murder Mountain on Netflix and Warrior also on HBO. Uh, So, well, that's it for today. Where can the people find us, Beth? Our website is FruitLoopsPod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod, And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. And links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App. Just Google Fruit Loops Pod Cash App. Or you can become a monthly patron through Podbean. This will help us pay for things like our website 
website and pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment. Even a dollar would help. And as always, we have merch for sale on our website. That's right. This is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, y'all. It's crazy out there. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? Or just a horrible accident. Ah! That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.